praise God. When we think about Thanksgiving, we uh, are often, the first picture that comes to our mind is, is the pilgrims at Plymouth Rock uh, celebrating what's commonly known as the first Thanksgiving. However, uh, 79 years before the pilgrims sat down in 1620 with their Indian friends in Plymouth, Massachusetts to celebrate a bountiful harvest, Spanish explorers held what has been acknowledged as the first Thanksgiving service in what is now the United States. That watershed event took place about 65 miles north of Plainview, Texas in Palo Duro Canyon. Friar Juan de Padillo conducted Thanksgiving services there on May 29, 1541 for the army accompanying Spanish conquistador Francisco Vasquez de Coronado. Much like the pilgrims, Coronado and his 1,500, and see there was only 100, there was only a 60 pilgrims. There were 60 pilgrims. But here there are 1,500 Spaniards. Uh, they had much to be thankful. They were tired, hungry, and disillusioned. And uh, they were wandering out in the Texas prairie uh, and, and, you know, there are no landmarks, there were no trees. They used to call it the staked plains because they had to drive stakes in the ground to find their way back. And, um, and, they, and they, they were approaching winter and it was, uh, uh, it was looking pretty bleak. But then they stumbled across the canyon, the Paladuro Canyon. And uh, they, there they found food and water for themselves and their animals and help from the friendly Indian tribes who lived there. And the actual mass was celebrated by Father Juan de Padillo, a Franciscan missionary who later became the first martyr for Christianity in the United States and in Texas. The priest accompanied Coronado to a place called Kivira, which is up in Kansas, now Kansas, and later returned to the region where he worked towards civilizing and Christianizing the Wichita and other Indian nations in the region of the Texas Panhandle. And in 1544, three years after his Thanksgiving service, he was martyred. So he became the first martyr, Christian martyr, in the new uh, world. Well, on June the 30th, 1564, in a little place called Fort Caroline, which is just a few miles from here on the uh, St. John's River, on September the, uh, on June the 30th, 1564, the Huguenots, who had founded a, a colony, a French colony, a Protestant colony, uh, they, um, 
they had their first Thanksgiving service on June the 30th, 1564. And then um, the next year, the Spanish came in and massacred all of them. But that was the first Protestant Thanksgiving service. The first Catholic Thanksgiving service was in 1541 in Palo Duro Canyon, and then the first Protestant uh, Thanksgiving service was on the St. John's River here at Fort Caroline in 1564. And then the next year, uh, Pedro Mendez Avila and 800 Spanish settlers founded the city of St. Augustine in Spanish La Florida, and as soon as they were ashore, the landing party celebrated a mass of thanksgiving. Afterward, Menendez laid out a meal to which he invited the natives uh, to come and, and participate. And the celebration of the mass was St. Augustine's first pastor, Francisco Lopez de Mendoza Grajales. And the feast day in the church calendar was that of the nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary and um, you can imagine what the uh, natives thought of those strange liturgies. Uh, but uh, Father Lopez wrote that the Indians imitated all that they saw done. So they were good mimics. And this was the first community act because it had the soldiers, the residents, uh, the, the settlers, and the natives all together. So it was the first community act of religion and thanksgiving in the first permanent European settlement in North America. It took place just 300 yards of the fort at what is now the mission of the name of God. And this event is commemorated today by a 250-foot cross which stands on the original landing site. And then just shortly after they, they established this colony, the same guy, Pedro Mendez, sailed, sailed north to Fort Caroline and massacred all the Protestants. Therefore, uh, you know, uh, creating the first Protestant martyrs. The first Catholic martyr was that, that Franciscan in Paladero Canyon. And then, then we have the first Protestant martyrs at Fort Caroline. So, this all happened in the mid-1500s. Then, in early autumn of 1621, the 53 surviving pilgrims celebrated their successful harvest, as was the English custom, and during this time, many of the Indians uh, came, and uh, about 90, 90 Indians came, there were 53 surviving pilgrims and 90 Indians that came together in 1621, and that was remembered as the first Thanksgiving in Plymouth. There are um, several depictions of that particular feast, and, um, and so the religious day of Thanksgiving and the Harvest Festival evolved into a single event, a yearly thanksgiving proclaimed by individual governors for a Thursday in November, the custom of an annual thanksgiving celebrating abundance and family spread across America. Some presidents proclaimed thanksgivings and others did not. 
Abraham Lincoln was the first to begin the tradition of an annual national Thanksgiving in 1863. And it was around that same time that he issued the Emancipation Proclamation. Thanksgiving is an enduring symbol from which millions of immigrants have learned Americanism. While not all native people celebrate the day, the story of the pilgrims and the Wampanoag sharing a harvest celebration remains an inspiration to many. So that's my research on Thanksgiving. The very first one was in Palo Duro Canyon. The second one occurred at Fort Caroline. The third at St. Augustine. So we're living in a, a very thankful part of the world. And then, then the pilgrims, you know, much later, almost 75 years later. And, uh, and yet it was uh, Abraham Lincoln who declared it a national holiday. And we've celebrated it ever since. Amen. Well, when we think about Thanksgiving, uh, you know, it's a very positive thing, amen? And, uh, but uh, the, the opposite of Thanksgiving is to complain and murmur. You know, murmur is when you, you know, you, you, you talk back under your breath, or being a grumpy old goat. And uh, murmuring is not, uh, appreciated by God. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. And I want to read uh, verses 9 through 11. And first in the King James, and then we're going, to, we're going to read it in the Passion Translation. But 1 Corinthians 10, 9 in the King James says, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. So he's referring back to the days in the wilderness when the Israelites uh, provoked God to anger by their murmuring and complaining. God did awesome things for them. God delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians by many signs and wonders and miracles only for them to get out in the wilderness and complain. They were, they were habitual complainers, murmurs, and, and it provoked God to wrath. And on several occasions, uh, you know, he just withdrew his hand of protection and the destroyer came in and and, uh, and killed them. So if you complain, you're sowing seeds for your own destruction. Okay, if you murmur or accuse God or speak evil of leadership like they did Moses, then your harvest is going to be destruction. So cut it out. Now look at, listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 9 in the Passion Translation. And I'm going, to, I'm going to read all the way through 12. Nor should we ever provoke the Lord, as some of them did, by putting him to outrageous tests that resulted in their death from snake bites day by day. And we must not embrace their ways by complaining 
grumbling with discontent as many of them did and were killed by the destroyer. All the tests they endured on their way through the wilderness are a symbolic picture, an example that provides us with a warning so that we can learn through what they experienced. For we live in a time when the purpose of all the ages past is now completing its goal within us. So beware if you think it could never happen to you, lest your pride becomes your downfall. Are you warned? Amen. <laughs> All right. Let, let's look at Numbers 11, verses 1 and through 3 in the King James. Numbers 11, verses 1 through 3 in the King James. This is just an example of how things went down. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Tabera, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. They, they, they dared to complain. And if you read the chapter before that, he's talking about how they led them, you know, with a, 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 a cloud by day and a, and a fire by night and provided for all of their needs. And then it says they complained. And it made God so angry that he just sent fire among them. And it started on the outside of the camp. You know, the camp was usually in a circular fashion. And, and the, uh, the, the outside realm of the camp started burning. It was burning towards the middle of the camp. And Moses prayed and it stopped. If Moses hadn't prayed, uh, that fire would have consumed everybody. That's how God looks on complaining and murmuring. So if you're one that's prone to that, you, you need to quit it. Because all you're doing is uh, is is uh, pushing God's patience and and uh, and presuming that God won't respond the same way. God hasn't changed. So what He hated then, He hates now. Amen. What ticked Him off back then still ticks Him off. Amen. Amen. Some people think God has changed. Well, the Bible says He changes not. And so, uh, you know, that's why these examples are in the Word of God. Therefore, our, therefore our benefit. Can you say amen to that? Well, so let's talk about the giving of thanks to God. That's, that's the flip side of the coin. It's a good thing to give thanks to God. And I think we would all agree the Psalms are filled with commands. Give thanks unto God. Uh, give thanks unto His name. You know, let everyone give thanks unto the Lord. You know, it's all through the Psalms. I could go through and read them all, but y'all been there before. You know that David was a, a, a person who gave thanks. Amen. And, uh, and these, are, these are, you know, biblical commandments to give thanks unto God always. But uh, so we're going to look at some New Testament examples of thanksgiving and what it says about it. And first of all, is Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. It, it uh, starts off by saying, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, 
and walk in love as Christ has loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Notice thanksgiving is to replace all the bad behavior. You know, he lists several things that we would consider bad behavior or unseemly or, or uh, bad conduct. And he says that we're to replace all of this uh, fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, and evil speaking. We're to, we're to replace it with the giving of thanks. So when we're giving thanks, we're, we're, uh, we're filling the gap that was made when we repented of all those other wicked things. Amen? Amen. See, I, I say thank God when used to, I'd say blankety blank, blank, blank. I say praise be to God when used to, I would say blankety 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 blank. Amen? And, uh, and so it's, it's a replacement for bad behavior. Amen. Be, a, be one who's always giving thanks because that, that, lets, that lets God know that you have, you have had a real, real conversion in your character. Amen? And then Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21 says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, we like that one, don't we? Speaking to yourself, this is, this is Spirit-filled behavior. Spirit-filled people do this. Spirit-filled people speak to yourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God, and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So thanksgiving is an integral part of spirit-filled worship. Amen. 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 Spirit-filled people are characterized by giving of thanks. When, you, when they pray, you hear a prayer like this, Lord, Lord, I just want to thank you. I mean, they just start off by thanking after all, that's the way Jesus taught us. Amen? We start, we, we enter into his presence with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Amen? So it's characteristic of spirit-filled worship. Now we look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 14, he says, For this cause... We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, 
unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meek to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Right in the middle of our walk with the Lord, you'll see giving thanks unto the Father as a, a cornerstone of our relationship to the Father. Thanksgiving is how we walk worthy of the Lord. How many of you want to walk worthy of the Lord? You want to please God. Well, thanksgiving is a key. It's essential. It's a priority uh, uh, for walking worthy of the Lord. Amen. My desire is to please Him. My desire is to do His will. My desire is to be fruitful in every good work. Amen? And uh, I can't do that without thanksgiving. Amen. Thanksgiving paves the way. Praise the Lord. So how many of you are thankful you're thankful? Amen. It's not just about turkey and dressing, is it? Amen. Well, uh, let's look at another one. Colossians 3.15 and verse 17. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be you thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know what the difference between a song and a spiritual song is? Spiritual song is when you're singing out of your spirit in another language. Singing in tongues. Amen. We don't do enough of that. Especially corporately. It's wonderful to sing psalms and hymns that we've practiced. And I believe if you're going to sing something, you need to, you need to practice it so you can be good at it. But how many of us practice singing in tongues? Uh-huh. <laughs> you say, well, you know, people look at you kind of strange. Well, do it when they're not there. You say, well, I'm never alone. Well, you need to find a closet and get in it. Find a closet, get in it, and pray and sing in tongues. Sing spiritual songs. With singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatever you do, everybody say, whatever I do. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Whatever you do, you see, all we do must be laced with thanksgiving. If you can't do it thankfully, then don't do it. Amen. You see, I, I, I don't think I could take a cigarette and say, Lord, I'm, I thank you for this cigarette. Bless it in Jesus' name to the, to the, to the health of my body. No, that just won't work. Amen? 
you know, a big old bottle of whiskey. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to drink this whiskey, and I just want to thank you for it. Now, this doesn't. It just doesn't. It just doesn't work. You see, uh, being thankful in everything you do will help you police yourself. <laughs> Amen. Because I, I can't thank God for every activity. There's some activities that are just anti-God, disobedience, rebellion, and so being thankful in everything you do. If you let if you let that just lace everything you do, then it's going to help you always do the right thing. Amen. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. Amen. Now look with me in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Y'all still with me? Hebrews 13, verse 12 through 16. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, that is, uh, we seek one to come. How many of you are seeking that city that is to come? That's called heaven, the new Jerusalem. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. And you all familiar with that, the sacrifice of praise? How often are we to offer the sacrifice of praise? Continually, that means without stopping. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. What is the sacrifice of praise? It's the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Amen. Sometimes it is hard. Sometimes it just is the last thing that you want to do. But you've got to muster up the strength to sacrifice and say, Lord, in spite of everything, I offer up thanksgiving to you. I thank you. Amen. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So thanksgiving is part of the sacrifice of praise that you're supposed to offer up continually. Well, I'm thankful that in my life and I know in your life, Thanksgiving is not a once a year occurrence. But we offer thanksgiving to God continually. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful that uh, we had a president that, that set it aside as a national day of giving thanks. But if that were the only day that we gave thanks, then it, then it, would, it would probably uh, result in, uh, you know, just feasting and watching football or something like that. And, uh, you know, and God would be completely left out of it. Oh, wait a minute. I think, I think that has happened. I think it's happened in a lot of homes, a lot of families. It's all about the food and the, and the football. Rarely, rarely will a family sit around the table together and talk about what they're thankful for. But it's not good enough for you to be thankful. You must be thankful unto God. You must direct your gratitude to God himself. It's not good enough to just be thankful. 
And a lot of folks are not thankful. They're complainers, they're whiners. But they're sowing seeds to their own destruction. But if you will be thankful, then be thankful in a non-idolatrous fashion. Don't be thankful for the work of your hands. Don't be thankful that you know that you produce this bounty on your table. But be thankful unto the God who provided you the strength and the knowledge and the know-how to do what you do. Amen? Amen. We're nothing without God. So we need to be thankful to God. It's part it, it, it is part of the sacrifice of praise. Sometimes sometimes you want to take credit, but you give the credit to who, who the credit who deserves it, and that's God Himself. Amen. Amen. Well, okay, one more one more scripture. That's Luke 17. And this passage of scripture demonstrates that thanksgiving is the path to wholeness. If you want to be whole, you, you can't get there without being thankful. And uh, this, this story in, in Luke 17, starting with verse 12, underscores this. Actually, it's verse 2, 12. Wait a minute. Luke 17, 12. Yeah. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices. Now, they stood afar off because it was against the law for them to approach people. So they shouted. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Everybody say they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a lowly Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Where there are not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Listen to what Jesus said, verse 19. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. There's a difference between being healed and being made whole. You see, leprosy is a uh, a disease that eats away at the flesh and bones. It'll eat somebody's nose right off their face. It'll eat off their ears. It'll eat off their 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 fingers and toes. Eventually, it eats up their whole being and they die. And when Jesus healed those ten, what happened was the the disease that had racked their bodies with pain and suffering stopped immediately. As they were going to the priest, they realized they weren't in pain anymore. They realized something was different in their body. They were healed. But they were still missing fingers. They were still missing, you know, parts of their flesh. But the one who came back and gave thanks to Jesus fell at his feet and gave him thanks. 
Jesus made that one whole. His skin returned to its original condition. His fingers grew back. His ears came back. His nose came back. Whatever was eaten away returned and he was as though he had never had leprosy. The other nine were healed and they lived and they were able to rejoin society. But they had the scars and the signs that they had been leprous. But this man, because of his thanksgiving, was made whole. And I think there's a lot to that. I think that thanksgiving is the path to wholeness. If you want to be very if you want to be made perfectly whole, be a person who gives God thanks. Amen. Thank him in advance before you see any of the manifestations of it. That's faith. Faith gives thanks for what has not been seen yet and has not been realized yet. But faith hopes in it, trusts in it, acts on it. And so if you, if you believe you're healed and you act like you're healed, you're going to give thanks before that healing is manifested. This man didn't thank Jesus for making him whole. He thanked Jesus for healing him. He thanked Jesus for just touching him and stopping the spread of that disease. And it was a result of his thanksgiving that Jesus just graciously granted him wholeness. Amen. Jesus can do that, you know. And He wants to do that. He wants to make us whole. So in, in advance of the fulfillment of your miracle, give thanks. Amen? Give thanks. Well, praise the Lord. Well, so let me let me go over these points one more time so you can remember them. Thanksgiving is to replace bad behavior. Thanksgiving is an integral part of spirit-filled worship. Thanksgiving is how we walk worthy of the Lord. All we do must be laced with thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving is part of the sacrifice of praise. And thanksgiving is the path to wholeness. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Praise the Lord.